Tonight, um, <clears throat> the word that the Lord just put in my heart, and don't really know all of the direction, if I'm just going to be honest with you. I kind of have a thought of what I wanted to do in the beginning, but after that, just we'll see where the Lord decides to lead the rest of this. But the title of this word is Cold No More. It's kind of a funny phrase, cold no more. And uh, it's kind of ironic how cold it is outside, so I do pray that it's a prophetic word in that sense, that it would warm up, because I am sick of the cold. Um, but I just want to just tell us tonight, there's something I just want to say very simply. And it's this, just, I want to be honest with you, and I just want to tell you that over the last few months of my life, I've been in quite a struggle and a battle. Um, and, and I know, you know, that's not how they teach you to open up a sermon when you preach. They don't tell you to come up here and say, okay, this is what's going on and this is what's happened. But just to be quite frank with you, I, I've, I've really been in a battle for the last few months of my life, I feel like. And I've seen the hand of God. I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen the goodness of God through it. But I have been in a battle, and it's been it's it's been it's challenge in some ways. And uh, and again, like I said, I know that's not how you're taught to start off a sermon or, or whatever. Um, and I, and I and I say that not because um, I want you to think you know feel sorry for me or for you to think. Or, and I, I say that because I don't want you to ever think that I'm, I, me or any of the pastors or any of us are, are some you know these men who don't have struggles. We all do. But I also say that to you just. And I say this. I'll be honest. I say that I don't want you to think like, oh, he's humble. Because I'm not. Um, I'm not. I so need the Lord in my life. I'm, I'm so messed up in so many ways. But just to be truthfully honest, that there's been quite a struggle in my life. And really what my desire is tonight is, to, is simply this, is to be honest with you and hopefully from a place of honesty, your desire for God would grow. From a place of honesty that all of our hearts for God would grow tonight. And so, to be quite frank, really, I'll just I'll tell you what my struggle has been and where I've been, what's been going on in my life, is that I found myself in quite a battle wrestling with a cold heart. And, I, and, and you're not supposed to have a cold heart when you're pastor. You're supposed to always be on fire. I totally forgot about you gentlemen. Um, at the end of the service, the ushers will be in the back. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Lee. You're probably watching. Don't fire me. Um, the ushers will be in the back. Please don't forget them. Nobody said anything to me. Andrew, help me next time. I'm not as good at you, as good at this as you. Um, but to be honest with you, what I really battle with is just a cold heart. And I, and I understand, again, as a pastor, you're not supposed to have a cold heart. You're supposed to always be on fire for the Lord. But the truth is, we're human. We struggle with the same things you struggle with. We battle the same battles you face. And I really battle with just being feeling divided, cold, distracted, all of these things, and, and to be honest, I have felt the constant distraction and the pool of distractions in my life that have really hindered and, and, and in some ways just really messed with my pursuit of God. And, and, and I don't say that with any, like, joy. I say that in, in, in a sense of, like, I'm not happy about that. It's not something I celebrate. It's not something that I say to get pity. I say that because it's just the truth of where I'm at. And, and, and it's not that there's particularly these giant sins that we people will categorize and say, he's doing this or he's doing that. It's just life. It's just, you know, waking up and going through day-to-day -day things and the American things. And, and, and to be frank with you, even, even some ministry, ministry things. You can be distracted with ministry and you can be, your heart can be cold because you've, gotten so, you've done so much ministry and so many other things like that and, and divided towards, away from what it's meant to be focused on. And, 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 and this is the reality. I think that most of us probably can relate to this. You know, I, I was sharing this. It wasn't actually, I was sharing this thing with Pastor Lee and I, I texted him 
maybe a day or two after Christmas, and I just was sharing him the very same thing. I told him, I said, I feel divided, I feel distracted, I'm cold, and I want to love Jesus. And I just said, Lee, would you pray for me? Because I just don't want to live like this. I don't ever want to be fake. Yet at the same time, I also want to run for Jesus and I don't want to walk around like this. I want to be excited and joyful and I can be for Christ. And I was honest with him just like I'm trying to be honest with you tonight. And, and so this is where I was at and this is where I've been. And over the last few months, it's just been this ongoing kind of feel with that. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I, I would imagine you all have. Let's not pretend that we're, we're you know, there's nobody that struggles with this, this type of heart sometimes. And so let me just say this. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I don't love Jesus. Like I can tell you right now, you can struggle with this and you can love Jesus. And that there's nobody in this church, there's nobody in the world that could tell me today that I don't love Jesus. I love him. I want to love him more. I don't want to settle for a divided heart. I don't want to be comfortable with a cold heart. And I think there's this sense where sometimes we find ourselves as Christians where we get so used to feeling maybe not in love with Jesus that we just get comfortable there. And I don't want to be that, but I, can, I know that I love Jesus, but I know that where I'm at right now is that my heart is not where I want it to be. I desire more in Christ. I desire to love him greater. I desire to seek him greater. I desire to know him greater. I want this with my heart. And so although this can be humbling and, and even painful, y'all know me, I always cry. I'm the worst. <laughs> It can be humbling and somewhat painful to even confess some of this. I praise God for it. I really do. Because what, I've, what it's really led to is as God has been dealing with me over the last few months, it has led me to a place of spiritual discontentment. And I think sometimes we, we, we find ourselves just spiritually content. Like I said, we find ourselves maybe just comfortable. We get used to our Christian life and we get used to things and we remember the time when we loved Jesus in the past and we were passionately loving him and wanting to know him and pursuing him. But before long, we find ourselves almost spiritually content in this life. And if you look at us, we'd be like, well, I'm, I'm not doing any gross sin. I'm not going off the rails. I'm not, you know, I'm faithful to my family. I'm doing these sort of things. But man, my love for Christ is just, it's there. And, 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 I, and I think there is, there's something to be said about faithfulness. But there's something about God moving in our faithfulness and touching that and bringing us even a greater desire to love Him and know Him. And so, you know, this, this isn't necessarily the easiest thing, but this is the reality. For me, I find myself now from this, I praise God for it, is in a, a place of spiritual discontentment. In other words, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the place right now where I just feel I can't stay where I'm at in the degree of which I love God. I long for more. I long to love him. I long to be with him. And I, I refuse to stay there, here. And I, and, and, I, and I don't know where you are in that. I pray that you would have the same desire to say, I, I, here's maybe where my heart has been, but I would pray, God, set ablaze my heart that I want to go even deeper with you and a love for you and a desire for you. The reality is, like I've said already, I feel like all Christians at some point in their life find themselves in this type of season where they find themselves living with somewhat of a divided heart. And it usually starts, like I said earlier, where we become somewhat satisfied with, or so, somewhat satisfied, so to speak, with our knowledge, our love, or even our passion of God. And we're saying, man, I really love God, or I really have a passion for Him. After a while of maybe being in that state, 
we begin to become stagnant, and even our hearts be, be, from that end up becoming divided or cold. And that's why I say to us, my prayer is this, let us not be cold anymore. Let, I, I would ask right now that God would just move in our hearts tonight. I know it's a Wednesday night, and people are tired on Wednesday nights. I'm tired on Wednesday night. But could God visit us afresh tonight? Would you allow God to visit you afresh? Like, would you allow some of this to pierce you? Would you acknowledge that maybe this is where your heart is also with me? And so many times when we find ourselves in this place, we begin to look into other things and we find our heart becomes cold. And next thing we know, we're so distracted. And Ms. Carly was even talking about distractions earlier. And she was, when she was ministering and she was just saying, we're distracted, God, and there's distractions going on in our lives. And it leads us into that place. And I, and I think about right now, you know, it's the beginning of the year and, and us pastors were even talking, we were praying like, what do, what do, what do, what do you want to do, Lord? And we just, I, I was just saying like, man, again, going back to where I was at, I was just saying, I feel if anything we need to do is call the people not to be distracted on the thing that matters. Because, you know, coming into this year, God is going to do ministry. God is going to make disciples. God is going to save people. God is going to birth things. God is going to rescue us. God's going to do a lot of stuff that's going to be magnificent that we're going to be able to give testimony about. But the greatest thing right now, before we even like jump into all the things we're so excited about with God and what he's going to do, is to say, am I excited about Jesus? Or am I distracted by everything else? And even ministry to a degree can become that. Or am I distracted by the pursuit of the new year and the new me or whatever, or the pursuit of a new career or a new job or the new season of my life? Or is, am, I, am I solely, is my heart undivided saying, I want to be after Jesus and these other distractions, whatever they are, I want to remove them from my life. Or I want to at least say, let these things go further down the priority list and let Christ be first and foremost. And so it is in this place, sorry, it is, it, it, it's really in this place that we find ourselves, or this is where I have found myself, there's one, <sighs> where I found myself is this is the place where we need rescuing. Like, just being honest, you can't rescue yourself from here. I've never been able to. You're so kind. Hopefully not. Hopefully I won't need a whole box. This is the kind of place when you find yourself with a cold heart, a distracted heart, a divided heart, whatever it is that you need rescuing and I need rescuing. This is the place where the love of God so graciously intervenes in our lives that it causes us to become spiritually discontent with our state of being where it begins to produce something in us that causes us to say, I want to go after God with a fervent passion. So if you are in that place tonight, it's, worth, it's actually, it can be a, something special. It can be the beginning of God doing something really special in your life where the fervent passion for God can be stowed up or worked up again and flamed up again in your heart tonight. And so if you're in here and you're disappointed with your lack of love for God, disappointed of the state of your heart, don't be discouraged. It's the opportunity for God to work something special where his gracious and powerful love comes in and intervenes and causes us to begin to run after him because he knows that we're never going to be happy any other way. And so he makes us discontent or dissatisfied in some way. And so I say for myself, this is where I find myself right now. I find myself hopeful. I find myself excited. Because I feel like in some sense there's this like vast, this vast ocean in front of me. And a journey and an excitement and a joy to know what is out there. And what is out there is God. 
Though my heart has not been as in love with him as I do have desired it to be, what's in front of me, just like, God, like the ocean is so vast and it's so big you can't understand it all. It's like that's how I see God. He's out there and there's the opportunity to pursue him and know him and for my heart to be passionate for him and love him. And it fills me with joy. So it fills me with excitement where I stand before you, where I could say that I feel a fresh desire to hunger for God again. And I pray for each one of us that that would be our hearts. We're at the beginning of a year. I told somebody this the other day. I said, people have goals. We're going to do goals at the beginning of the year. And I don't have, I don't have a problem with goals. Okay? People, some people hate goals. Some people don't. I don't have a problem with goals. But I said this. If the, great, the greatest goal you could have is to love Jesus more this year than last year. I mean, really, that's, that's the greatest goal, right? There's nothing else. And so it's just like, God, let that be our desire this year. And so this is the simplicity of what my desire is tonight is, Tonight, I I desire to invite you to the same thing. To invite all of us out of maybe a cold, divided, distracted heart into a heart full of passion, longing, and love for Jesus. So, I mean, you may be in this room and you're like, you're soaring. Man, your heart's on fire. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Run. Continue that. But some of you may come into this year and you felt like you were tripping and stumbling for Jesus and you were hardly, your car, your, you know, you just felt like with your love for God as the year's winding down. And now it's just to say, let's, let's, let's start this year saying, let's ask God to do something special in our life that produces something that's so unique and special that causes us to love after him. That would drive us to seek after God with passion once again in our hearts. The reality is every single one of us in this room probably need that. Every single one of us probably needs some work of God to stoke our heart even more than it has been before. And if there was ever a time for, to be hot for Jesus, it really is now. The past is the past. If there's ever a time for that, it's right now. If there's ever a time to be passionate for Jesus, it is right now. Look at the world, what's happening. Like, look what's ahead. It's 2024, don't you know, if you know it's an election year, it is about to get bad in this nation. It is about to get divisive. We're about to have just people going back and forth. Even within the church, people will do stuff like this. There's, there's all kind of issues that are going on in our land. And if there's a time to be passionate about Jesus and not live cold-hearted, it is today to live for Jesus with a passion for him. It's time for God to help us to grow where our hearts are no longer cold, but ablaze for Jesus. It's time for our hearts to be stoked up where it's not just embers anymore, but it's a heart fire burning for Jesus. But the truth is, this is, this is the, the thing I, I'm so concerned with, is that many people in the church world today, and maybe even including ourselves, like I said, have grown comfortable with the cold heart for God. We're okay with the steadiness of saying, I love God, I'm here, I love Him. But man, to, like to speak about Him with such passion such zeal and such a joy. I don't know if I want that. Or, I, I, you know, I like doing church. I like coming to church. I like serving in church. I like participating in ministries. I like all of these things. But to be set ablaze for Jesus and Jesus and just love him. And that, that, that's not really what I love. Some of us, I think, we find ourselves in that position. And, you know, so many believers, they love God with their heads but they're missing passion in their hearts for him. Like they, they acknowledge love for God in their heads, but we really miss this passion of God in our hearts. And so my prayer is just to, to almost beg, beseech, whatever word you want to fill in the blank there is, don't, don't let that be us. Like don't let that be us. And so maybe you sit here and what I'm describing is you. Maybe you can relate to my own confession. Maybe you can relate to what I've shared with you.
and you know you have a, a heart that has grown cold or, or, or distracted. It, it, it's like the fame, the money, the career, everything is distracting you, whatever. You're divided towards Jesus, and you've become comfortable there, yet you really do want God to do something. And, you, and you're hearing what I'm saying. You're saying yes in your spirit. You're saying yes in your spirit. Then I, I pray that God would do this tonight. And so a lot of times people ask, you know, when we get there, a lot of, my, my dad would probably ask this question. Okay, son, I hear what you're saying, but how? That's what he would ask me. He would ask me how. And uh, let me just tell you, there is an answer to it. But let me just tell you this, the answer is not you. Just know that right off the bat. The answer is not you. You will not be able to fix your cold heart. You will not be able to stoke your heart into a flame. You will not be able to make your heart no longer distracted because the reality is our hearts do. They're prone to wander and they love the things of this world many times. It's just the truth. We can't do this. And so just get that out the way. If you think that some way you can bite down and clinch down or twist something a little bit more so that you can get yourself the heart to be a little bit more ablaze for Jesus this year, just, just kiss that goodbye. Just move off of that one, okay? And just know that there is an answer, but it's not that. And the answer to me is the most simple thing in the world. The answer is that it's the love of God. Like There is no other answer for a heart that feels cold, divided, distracted, than God's love, or God himself. Ultimately, the answer to it all is that, is that we must have an experience of the love of God. I'm not talking about having a mere knowledge of God's love. We all know in this room God loves us. Everybody walked in here knowing the scripture says God loves you. But I wonder how many people in here walked in saying, really knowing and saying, God loves me. In your heart, you walked in, not with the shame, you didn't condemn yourself because you knew God loved you. And so it's not a mere knowledge about God's love. It's not just knowing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that even the Spirit lives within me. But it's, it, it's, it's, it's having a real experiential love of the Father and, his, and how much He loves us. And so it's not knowing those things that just leave into the intellectual realm. It's a need for a fresh, continual experience of God's love to help our divided hearts. And so I'm just going to read one passage to us tonight. I think this is what I'm going to do. Um, read one passage to us tonight. Because to me, the answer is God's love. If you've come in here like that and you relate to me, then what you need more than anything to change your heart is to be touched by the love of Jesus so badly. I mean, think, when did your heart ever change, even for salvation? God's love. Whenever you found yourself struggling, what helped you? God's love. It's always God's love. And so, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 through 19, I think. Um, I just want to lay a little bit of the context here. Is, y'all know Ephesians, it's, it's an incredible book. People love this book. But when Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, it's like he's writing to the all-stars. Okay? Just know this. Ephesus, or the church in Ephesians here, there's really not a lot of complaints. It's not like Corinthians, where it's like, you're allowing some really weird stuff. Or these other books where, you know, he's really talking to the Thessalonians, and they're talking about how they missed the rapture and all this. He is not talking to people. Really, there's a lot of positive things. There's very little rebuke in this. And so you would think that the people in Ephesians are ready for the meat, or the theology, and the spiritual depth, and all of these sort of things. 
And yet you understand that Paul has this prayer in chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, where it almost reveals there is this sense of them not understanding or or experiencing God's love. They're struggling to experience God's love. And so this is what I say. Even though you may appear to have all the knowledge in the world about God's love, doesn't mean you actually receive the experience of God's love. We need that. We need that. Because when you look at this book... Paul gives this beautiful like one, two, and three chapters about all of these truths about God's love and what he says. And then chapters four, five, and six is the practical. But he pauses in in 14 through 21 to pray for them. And he starts off his prayer saying this. He falls to his knees begging God for them to know and experience God's love. This little intersection between the two is all about this. Essentially, he's laid out all this doctrine, all this truth about God's love, all this truth about God and what he's done to save them and how he loves them and how he rescued them. And he's given them all the knowledge, or let me say this, the doctrine, the intellectual understanding of it. But before he jumps into the practical, he makes this big prayer where he's like, though you, almost in a sense, though you may know and you may hear the doctrine, I'm praying for a revelation of the experience of one, two, and three to become true to you. Not just being that you know the facts of it, but I want it to become this reality. And so what I love about it is that he's, even the beginning of it, when it says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Like, just, just think. This isn't some little prayer. It's like he's bowing his knees for God for this. For what? This whole little intersection right here is he's praying this, that they would know the love of God, that they would know the love of Jesus Christ. This is what he desires for them, that Christ would dwell in them, that they would know the love of the Father. And so verses, uh, we'll, we'll start in verse 16. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, may dwell in your hearts through faith, <laughs> that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And like this passage is already just so clear. He's, what is he praying? What does he want for the church in Ephesus? He wants them to know God's love. He wants them to grasp this. Even the word there where it talks about comprehend, it could be understood like this, to to overpower, to wrestle with. And this is what Paul is saying, is Paul is wanting them to wrestle with with God's love. Not wrestle in their flesh for God's love, not even wrestling with their souls, not wrestling with their inner being, but wrestle to the point of grasping God's love, wrestling it into your hearts. If you've got a cold heart, we need the love of God wrestled into our hearts tonight. We need God's love to move in this way. And so Paul makes this whole thing that's all about God's love. It's clear. It's not rocket sciences. You can see that right there. But this is what the beautiful thing is that we can't do that, but he says how. He makes this statement in verse 17 or verse 16 that according to the riches of the glory, he may grant you to be strengthened by, with power through his spirit in your inner being. What is the point of what Paul is praying for? For them to know Jesus' love and the Father's love. But how is it going to happen? It has to happen through the spirit of God. In other words, if you try to come to understand God's love for you in any other facet or way, it's impossible. 
You cannot know the love of Jesus to the point that it will shape your heart and change your heart unless it is by the Spirit of God. So what is Paul's prayer? He begs God on his knees, bowing before God, let the Holy Spirit do something in their innermost being to strengthen their inner being so that they have the capacity to know the love of Jesus today. This is, this is the truth. This is the only means by which we can have any understanding or any grasp or any experience of true truth around God's love that we have to have the capacity that the Holy Spirit gives. This makes it so clear. Like if you're in here tonight and you've come in with a cold heart, you need Jesus' love to change your heart, but this is what you need. You need the Holy Spirit to give you the capacity in your heart to understand and to receive the love of Jesus tonight. Now this is such an easy, easy application. We cry out to the Spirit of God. Just like Paul did, where he bowed to on his knees. Do this in them. I don't want them to just have a knowledge of love. I want them to know and experience your love. And Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can do that. So I pray to the Holy Spirit. I pray to the Father that he, by the Holy Spirit, would strengthen them in their inner being, their inner man. Why? So they can have the revelation of Jesus' love for them. So they can know that. It's the Holy Spirit. And then it makes it abundantly clear. He talks about the type of love. We see these things, right? Verse 17. Why does the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I've been thinking about this, this, this verse, and you know, you think about the beauty of God's love. Or the beauty of Jesus' love. Just think about the beauty of Jesus' love. And think about beautiful things. Like, you ever, you ever seen something so beautiful you just had to stop? Every day? Nice answer, Andrea. <laughs> right? Like, feedback, come on. Have you ever seen something so beautiful it just stopped you in your tracks? Right? Or like, there you go, Evan. Follow up on what Andrew's doing, right? Like, what... <laughs> I was going to get there, babe, I promise. <laughs> right? I, the other day, your eyes, right? <laughs> but honestly, you look at a sunset sometimes in like, you see it and you glance and you take a double look, right? You look at the stars and you're like, oh my gosh, it just stops you in your tracks. You know, everybody loves a good smile, right? Like people who have that, that smile that's just like, wow, that's a smile, right? Like Whitney, Whitney, she's, I don't know if she's here, she'd hate me for saying this, but Whitney has one of the most beautiful smiles in all of the church. When she smiles, you're just like, you got to look again like that as a beautiful smile. And, and I was thinking about like, if you could take all of the beauty that we see in the earth, all of the beauty of top hundred smiles, top hundred most beautiful eyes, the star, the best place on the planet with the best views for the, the, the stars and the best sunsets and the best this and the best that, and you compile all the beauty of it together in one thing, it wouldn't even come close to the beauty of the love of Jesus. And yet, all of those things a lot of times stop us in our tracks. And I thought to myself, how often does the love of Jesus stop me in my tracks? Like, when was the last time that you literally could not move because you were so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus? Or the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of God's love stopped you literally in your tracks and you're just, I cannot believe it. Just like the, those worldly things do. 
right? And those aren't bad things, the truth is. But in, 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 in comparison to the, the beauty of the love of Jesus, they're nothing. And, and, and this is my point. I think we have the smallest and saddest views of Jesus' love. And he wants, us to, he wants to deepen that understanding and deepen that so much. And he wants us to dive into the depths of his love. And Paul is beseeching and begging and bowing and praying that this would happen in them. And I would say the same for us. Like, can we beseech? Can we beg? Can we ask? God, give me a true experience of your love. And you can read the passage. He makes it clear. Like, he's, he doesn't want it just to be knowledge. He's saying, let it surpass knowledge. Let it be even an experience of this. So that it can be, you may be filled with the fullness of God, right? It talks about the breadth and length and height and depth. It's like all these measurables. And, you know, when you really put it, it's like, basically, you can't measure God's love. You can't measure God's love when you just look at that so clearly. And I just, and so when I look at this thing, I just pray like, okay, here's the solution. Here's the solution to the cold heart. It's the revelation that God's love is for you. We all know that he loves us, but we need, we need a touch. We need a fresh touch of his love that changes our heart in such a way that moves us. And so what I didn't tell you about this whole last few months is when I was, I text that to Pastor Lee, he said to me, Felix, I feel the same way. He said, I am struggling too. And I feel divided and I feel distracted. And I feel the same way. And he said, I really think it's, you know, he said, there's several people who have confessed this to me, which is good. I'm not the only one, right? And he said, there's several people that have been talking about this to me. And he said, you know what I believe we need? I think we need to take a time to refresh ourselves in Jesus. To refresh ourselves in the love of Jesus. To pursue him with intentionality. To maybe cut out some of the things in our lives so that we can experience the love of God. Because here's the reality. A lot of times, like, we want to know the love of Jesus. We need this. But the truth is, is that we haven't slowed down to, or even made time for, the, for us to even sit to even consider the love of Jesus. You know, if you want, you want to know something practical about how we even come to that, you know, we need to know his love. We need it to become real. And it's just slow down. Like, make time. And I know in our culture, that is, that's opposing the culture of America. Right? Our culture says, rewards those who go fast. And it's like, the faster, the better. The more you work, the better. The more you do this, the better. You are the man because you work 60 hours. Let's celebrate you. No, just slow down. Because you, cause if, you, if, if you keep going at that pace, your heart will grow colder and colder and colder and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And what you need is to slow down so God can give you the revelation and the illumination of his love for you to warm that heart up and bring it ablaze. Slow down. Make time. Spend time in the Word. Be, be, spend time just meditating on Him and the cross and what He's done for you and, and in, in His presence and just resting Him, enjoying Him. And so we were talking about this. We really felt that what God wants to do for us is to refresh us as a church. And so we believe that what the Lord has for us is to do a fast. To do a fast. And now I know when you hear that, you're like, oh boy. Because like, most Christians, the word fast means burden. And that's not what it means. But to most Christians, when they hear the word fast, it's like burden. Oh no, like, it's, but it's meant to be a blessing. And I just want to tell you a few things about what I, what I mean, that what a fast should be for us, is that the fast is not, it's not meant to be this burdensome thing that becomes this painstaking thing. A fast is really this, it's, it's designed to loosen our heart's grips on the temporal things of this world. So that our hearts can be recalibrated in a sense 
to what actually really matters on the heavenly feast of Jesus. So it's letting go of some of the things that we really clench on to tightly because we're like, hey, we're holding on to these things, but when we let go of those things, it loosens our grip on the temporary things of the world and it allows us to turn our heart to God. And when we turn our hearts to God, God begins to reveal the love of God in our lives and begins to affect us. And so don't think of a fast as this burdensome thing. Look, think of it as the opportunity to know the enjoyment of God even more. We don't fast to make God do something for us or even through this. We fast because we long to remove anything that might distract us from the unequaled pleasure of personally knowing and loving God. Truthfully. We don't fast so that God, we twist his arm. We fast because we're saying, I want to remove whatever distraction. If my heart's divided, it's cold, so that I can really focus on the pleasure of God, the joy of God. Fasting is not about getting God's attention. Instead, fasting is about God, us giving God all of our attention. It's really what it is. It's not about us like trying to get, God, here I am, here I am. You have to listen to me because now I'm fasting. Because that, that becomes like a twisting, a manipulation. It's literally just saying, I'm giving you all my attention. Because you're beautiful, you're worthy. And it is in this place, in the secret places of our lives, where God has our undivided attention, that the reward comes and to the surface of our lives in beautiful ways. When God has our undivided attention, that is when we begin to see things happen in our life. And so I don't know where you, where you come in here tonight. I don't know if you feel cold. I don't know if you feel divided. I don't know. But I know this. And we feel strongly that we desire to set time aside as a church to fast with the simplicity of saying, we want to focus on Jesus. And the goal of the fast is to remove the distractions from our lives, some of the things that may have led us to be, feel divided in our love for Jesus, or maybe has even waned our heart for God and to remove those just for a season so that we can give our soul attention to the one who deserves it and the one who's glorious so that we can come out of this fast with a, a sense of, I saw the love of God and my heart is refreshed. My heart is ablaze. My heart is burning. My heart is excited. My heart is joyful. My heart is, is now in a way that I've longed for. And so please, when, I say, when we're saying we're doing fast, please don't hear this like painful thing. Think of the joy on the other side. Think of what God might show us. Think of what God might do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start the fast next Wednesday. Okay, here in, the, in this service. It's going to become somewhat of a hybrid prayer meeting. Um, and so we're giving you a week to prepare. Your hearts and your minds and your thoughts. Seriously, prepare yourself. Because it really is, when you, when you go into a fast, it is a time of spiritual intensity. But usually a, a time of spiritual intensity leads to a, a real sense of spiritual intimacy. And so it really is a joyful thing to look forward to, but it's intense, okay? Um, what we really feel is we were praying through it and the pastors were talking and we really feel that, you know, you can fast whatever you feel led to fast. If you want to fast food, please go ahead and fast food. I'll probably fast a little bit of that. But um, we really feel more than anything that people, what we are asking the church to be together on this is a fasting. You're going to hate me, some of you young people. Social media is like TikTok, Facebook, Fox News for the older people, <laughs> Snapchat, Instagram, the things that really pull our attention, the things that are really pulling on our hearts, right? Like, don't fast your family. Love your family, right? But there's things that we ought to, that, that you know, like you know in your life what are those things. And look, some of you, even me saying that, you're like, I, I, it's, you're squirming maybe. 
But it's like, let's remove those things because they really don't, they're not worth anything. They're not worth anything in comparison to Jesus. So we really feel like these are the things that we feel we're supposed to fast during this time. We're going to fast from Wednesday to Wednesday. It's just going to be one week. And we're going to give you more information on what we're going to be doing for the fast. We're really praying that this would not just be, hey, just show up, you know, and we sit for an hour. But we really have some things that we desire to stir to work together as a church. And even on the end of it, I'm hoping after that following Wednesday, I would ask this, that if you, if God doesn't work in your life and you've got testimonies to share about how the love of God was shown to you and now your heart is ablaze, let's have a, church, a, a night where we just share. We testify about how good our God is and how much we saw him and how much he changed us and how thankful we are and his love was set ablaze or whatever it is, right? Now, so those are the things that we desire to do. And so I'm just simply, I'm going to close and Worship team can come up. And this is, this is what I would ask you in closing, this, just this question. What is your spiritual temperature tonight? I give you, no one walks around with numbers on their forehead. Just know that. But if it was a 1 to 10, where would you fall? Where would you fall? Like, would you be a 2? Would you be a 5? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really care what your answer is. My, my thought is for you to just reflect. And ask God, God, show me, has, where is my heart? Like, am I, more, am I excited about all sort of things? Am I divided? Am I distracted? Am I moved in this direction? But is my heart actually in love with you? Like I said, we can be, find ourselves knowing that we love God with our heads, but not loving Him with our hearts. And my prayer tonight is this, is that we could ask God, Lord, would you begin the work now? It doesn't have to wait till the fast starts, but could you begin the work now? Could you give me a fresh revelation of your love tonight? Could you cause my heart to be set ablaze for you? That I love you. And, and like I said in the beginning, y'all, this should, this should cause us to be excited. Like you will never regret, you will never regret falling in love with Jesus. You'll never regret falling more in love with Jesus. You'll never say, well, that wasn't that great. Because the full satisfaction of a person for any human is found in Jesus alone. And so I would ask this tonight, could we just, like, I don't want you to come, like, if you've got to come repent, repent, that's fine. But I don't want you to just be this mournful thing. I mean, there's part of that if you need to repent. But at the same time, I want us to pray like, God, you, you like I said, you do rescue us from these places. And you do it by showing your love. And so I'm coming with expectation. I'm coming with excitement. I'm coming with happiness because the fact that I'm in this place, it's priming. It's, it's like it's primed for the moment for God to do something significant in my life, to awaken me, to change me, to move me. And so if you could, could we stand together? And, and if you just make a play, an altar with the Lord, have a conversation with God, speak with Him. And then when we're, when, whenever you're ever done with that, wherever that is, can we just worship Him? Can we thank Him that He does love us? Like, and I'm going to be honest, I could never explain God's love to you enough, or well enough. Never. A man can never explain to you God's love enough, but the Holy Spirit can. Ask Him, strengthen my inner being so that I can comprehend and understand your love for me that would change me and set me ablaze for you tonight. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you, God. And Lord, I, I acknowledge, Lord, 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 my heart has not always been where I wanted to be in the last few months. I found myself pushing things off with you because I found other things more interesting than you. I'll just say I found other things more interested than you. The beauty of the universe. 
for the things that are so empty and vain. And God, I, I repent of that. And I ask you, Father, Lord, stoke my heart up tonight with your love. That despite that that may have been me, you still love me and you forgive me. Let that truth that you forgive me even when I have not loved you well stoke up the, the, to see my heart to love you, to be excited about you, to rejoice in you, and to be on fire for you, Jesus. Lord, let this not be a work that we think we have to attain or work towards. It is not by our flesh. It is not by tightening our grip on on things. It is simply by acknowledging where we are before you and putting ourselves in a position to hear and and for you to reveal your love for us. And so that's why as a church, we're coming together and we would acknowledge, God, we we want to go into a fast so that we can put ourselves in a position and a posture to have a revelation, an increasing revelation of the love of Jesus Christ for our lives that would cause us to be set for the year that whatever comes forward, whatever happens, distractions that may come or things that go on, we would love you and we would walk with you because you're our love and you're our passion. You're our joy. So Lord, we celebrate you tonight. We thank you and we praise you, God. And we give you all the glory.